0: Awesome. Check, check, check. We're good. Good morning, everyone. How are you doing? I, uh, Pastor Marvin, here, let me grab a water bottle here. Um, Pastor Marvin is in Mexico this morning and, uh, he sends his love. He texted me bright and early uh, and said, praying for you guys and the team and everyone who walks in today. And, um, so yeah, um, he asked me to speak uh, since he's out, and uh, it's going to be fun. So we are in our last week of our Evolve series, uh, and uh, he wanted me to speak on passing the torch. Um, so basically, leading generationally, and um, I was really excited for that because him and I have been opening up this conversation for uh, o- over a year now, uh, where we've been, we've just been talking and saying, "Hey, we don't." know what this looks like uh, but we want to at least talk about it and, um, and so it's been really good and we've made some way in that and so I'm excited to share with you um, this morning. Uh, but first, before we start, um, I just want to address, um, this week has been a heavy one. with uh, the abortion laws that are being passed and uh, this isn't a new issue. This isn't a new thing. But What's happening is there's steps that are taking place and it's not okay. And before we even start this morning, we need to talk just as the church, just as the people, because it's been really, really hard to prepare this message this week. Every time I've sat down with the Lord, I can't think straight. And Friday night, we had our family dinner for our young adult group. And (laughs) and about an hour before it started, Holly just looked at me and said, hey, you gotta come back to earth because people need you tonight and you're not here. Millions and millions of babies are being murdered and we've got to do something about it. As the church, we believe that even unintentional pregnancy yields intentional life. And the Bible says that I knew you in your mother's womb and we believe that every child as being conceived has destiny. Amen. And we have to speak up. We have to stand up. We have to do something. And at the same time, I don't think that we can talk about the issue and not be a part of the answer. As the church, we need to do a better job at supporting mothers and children in crisis. Our voice needs to be heard throughout the entire nation, throughout the entire world saying, you are strong and you are powerful and you are capable and I'm gonna help you do this. We should be bringing life into these situations. And I think we've been really scared to talk about it. I think we've been really intimidated. But we've got to open the conversation. I'm not saying that this is a easy this is a simple fix. I'm not saying that it's a a one and done solution. I'm saying that we have to open the conversation on how to fix what's happening right now. Because it's just not okay. And so I wanna urge you as the the church, I wanna commission you. We have to take some action. And when we enter into these situations, if we're ever bringing shame, then we're doing it wrong. Nobody is gonna receive anything if we're coming with emotion and anger and we're shaming them. We have to bring love, we have to bring hope, we have to bring peace to these situations. This is bigger than Christianity, what is happening. This is bigger than the color that we vote for. This is about humanity. But we have to be a part of the solution. We can't just talk about it and walk away. we have to invest some time, we have to invest some money, we have to invest our life for this. Because what's happening is a voice is being taken away and we've got to stand up for that voice. It is okay for us to be a little persecuted. It's okay for us to speak up. And I was praying about this and I was just, and Holly and I were talking through this and I really felt the Lord speak into, the, into this. And, and I think it's, it's almost a personal word for me, but I think it's also for us. And what he said, he said, the need to be politically correct has silenced the church's voice. And the need to not make anyone mad has silenced the church's voice. And when our concern of not making a ripple supersedes our desire for righteousness and justice, we've, mi- we've missed it. But again, it goes back to the thought of we can't just talk about it. I think that every single one of us, advocates for pro-life, we have to take some action behind our our words. We need to be a people that pray over this, we, we need, we have to be in prayer over this. And again, if we're bringing shame, then we're doing it wrong, that's not the goal. But what's happening is not okay, it's just simply not. And so I commission you to take action. Be hope, be the light for somebody, be the peace that someone in crisis needs. And I think we need to continue this conversation. I think we need to continue to open this conversation of what can we do? How can we better serve this? How can we better do this? and i think whenever we begin to talk about it we will begin to the lord will begin to give us ways to do it to make this situation not existent okay We can't just look away from this. And I understand that this is a heavy way to start, but we have to open it up. We have to talk about it because if the church isn't talking about it, then we're not doing our job. The Lord called us to be activists. We need to partner with the Holy Spirit on this. Okay? So let's pray over this. Um, John, would you come pray over this? Can we grab him that mic? And I don't want everyone to pray with, with us this morning. As a matter of fact, let's stand up, let's hold hands.
1: Everybody join together, and let's pray over this. Father, we come to you this morning. pray that we would start taking action. Many of us are angry. Many of us are frustrated. Many of us hate seeing what's going on, (laughs) but it's not pushing us to do anything other than feel bad about the situation. God, we've gotta take action like Peyton said. We've gotta step up and we've gotta look at people and we've got to see them as you see them. We've gotta stop being offended We've got to stop being worried about whether they like us or don't like us. We've got to live by the truth. And the truth is what you say, what you believe, who you say we are, your principles. And that's all that matters. But somehow we've gotten our minds so scattered and worried about what other people will think, what other people will say. Am I going to hurt their feelings by telling them the truth, that we keep ourselves silent And we become comfortable, Lord God, with just sitting in a seat worrying about things or saying that we're going to pray about things but not putting our feet to action. Let us see the children, Lord God, that are hurting and go and reach out to them. Let us get uncomfortable, Lord God, for your glory. That may mean taking a child into our home. That may mean going and having dinner or lunch with somebody, Lord God, that we're not really comfortable having a conversation with. That may mean loving somebody and caring for somebody and giving beyond our comfort zone. But if we're truly going to be who you created us to be, then we have got to stand up and do those things that make us uncomfortable. We've got to be willing to go through some tough times ourselves because we are trying to reach other people for your glory. Nothing about Jesus' life was easy. He didn't do things that were easy. He didn't save the world by doing easy and comfortable things. And we are called to be like Jesus. We are called to walk the uncomfortable road. For our glory is not here on this earth, but beyond this earth, Lord God. What we do here is work, and we need to work, Lord God. I pray that you would just help us to have boldness that we have never had before. Help us as a church to rise up like we never have before, Lord God. And just as Peyton said, we're not going out and condemning. We're not going out and tearing people down and telling them the things they're doing wrong. We're loving people into the kingdom of God with great compassion, great patience, and grace like you have with us every single day. And Lord, we pray for every child, born and unborn. We pray, Lord God, for their safety. We pray, Lord God, that their purpose will be fulfilled. And we pray that every person's life will have value and that they'll know that value. The devil is winning this war of making us all believe that we're not as valuable as you say we are. And I pray, Lord God, that through our actions as your children, that people will see their value, that we'll love the lesbian. We'll love the homosexual, Lord God. We'll love the black person, the white person, the Asian person, the person that gets on our nerves. We'll love the dirty. We'll love the filthy, the homeless, Lord God. Love them. And not just in word, but in action. And we thank you and praise you, Lord God, because it is for your glory that we live. Let us remember that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Awesome. Um, I think it's really important that we talk about these things. I think it's really important that we sit down and figure out solutions. I think it's really important that we don't pray for it once and move on, but we come back to it and we open this thing up of how can we, as the people of God, make this better, okay? Amen. Amen. Awesome, um, so like I said this morning, um, Pastor Marvin asked me to preach on passing the torch um, from generation to generation. And uh, so he passed it to me to, to speak on. And um, it's gonna be good, all right? You ready? Let's do it. Uh, so life is a relay, relay race. Um, Life is not a sprint, it's not a marathon, it's not a jog, it's a relay race and it takes each and every one of us to make it happen. Uh, and it takes the, pa- the passing of the baton to finish the race. And, um, and so I wanna talk about that. And so actually, um, this is an example of what we don't want. In, in Judges two, uh, verse six, we can put that up. It says, uh, here, I'll just you know read it from the Bible. Um, When Joshua dismissed the people, the people of Israel went uh, to his inheritance to take possession of the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work of the Lord uh, had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years old. They buried him within the boundaries of an inheritance in Timnath Haris, Um, blah, blah, blah. And then verse 10, it says, in all that generation, we're just not even gonna attempt, okay? Um, <laughs> verse 10, it says, And all that generation uh, also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose a generation of after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. And so we see this in, in insane life of Joshua, this fantastic military leader, and we see all the things that the Lord did for the people of Israel in his lifetime, 110 years where the Lord just poured out on these people and brought them out of this place and and, and did amazing works for them. And then we see this generation pass on. We see this generation die out. And because the goodness of God wasn't communicated from one generation to the next, arose a people who did not know the Lord. And so that is what we don't want, right? Amen. And so first and foremost, I think it's important that we, that we say, hey, we as a people, old, young, big, small, fat, skinny, doesn't matter, we need to talk about the goodness of God and what he's doing in each and every one of our lives. And especially when it comes to the older generation, to the younger generation, we need to learn how to communicate everything that God has done for them so we can have an understanding of who God is in our life and have an expectation for what he's gonna do. That's very, very important. And we always talk about the power of testimony and and we always talk about um, just how effective that is in it's truth. But there needs to be an aspect of this where it's the testimony of a generation to the next. So it's not just a personal testimony. It's not, but it's a testimony of what the Lord has done for a people. And then, what happens when we communicate that to the next is they have an understanding of God and how good he is. And whenever we do that, well then our children will know who God is. And um, so that's the goal. The goal is for one generation to successfully communicate the goodness of God to the next so that we have an understanding. And um, and so I think there's there's a lot to this. Um, and and we're gonna dive into it. And so kind of, this isn't like a, um, so I've got all my printed notes um, that I have. And usually whenever I prepare a message, it's, I kind of like to have um, some order to it just because it helps me communicate it. Um, but this one wasn't really like that. It, the way it kind of played out just wasn't uh, like that. There's going to be order, and you can take notes. But uh, there's not. I'm, I'm kind of going to address um, the older generation and the younger generation and then the generation after that. And so the reason that I pointed here is because I didn't want to point at anyone. I'm not going to put you into a generation. You put yourself into one, and I will not take responsibility for offending you. Um, I had a... Uh, I guess I can say this. I <laughs> I went and led worship somewhere. Not gonna say where. And um, it was a ladies' event, and uh, this I was. They fed me dinner and stuff, super sweet. And this lady who was happened to be sitting next to me. She was probably like seventies, like seventies, eighties, and um, she looked exactly like one of my childhood friends' grandmas, and. Um, and so I was like, excuse me, ma'am, sweet, sweet little old lady. Excuse me, ma'am, what's your, what's your name? She said her name. And I said, and then she asked, why did you ask me that? And I was like, oh, well, you looked a lot like one of my old friend's grandmas. And she gasped. He's like, that's offensive. And I was like, you don't know you're old, right? <laughs> like, like, I'm not trying to offend you, but you definitely are mid-70s, early-80s. <laughs> and so from then on, I just don't talk about people's age. From then on, it was like, okay, if you don't know that, then I don't know what people know, and <laughs> nothing is true. Um, so that's why I keep it on the stage. And uh, <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah, so that was one of super awkward moments. And it was weird. <laughs> Anyways, um, so first things fo- first, I'll, uh, I wanna address uh, the older generation. And uh, first I wanna say that we need you. Yeah. Come on. As someone who is in the up and coming stages of life, we need you. Right. And I know that um, sometimes we've pushed you away but I want to apologize for that as for a people. And, um, and the truth is, is that we need each other. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we need your wisdom. We need your experience, and we need your guidance. And, uh, and I want to let you know that we value your opinion, um, that we want to have open ears to hear you. And, um, and so I want to encourage you, And this is something that Holly and I have talked about for a bit now just in our home and throughout our life is you know who is mentoring us who do we have in our life that's speaking into our life and obviously um you know I have those those men in my life and I have those spiritual mothers in my life who who have done more than words can say um for me and uh but who is who is mentoring us as 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 one you know as a couple as a p as one marriage who is who's is mentoring us and who's fathering us and who's mothering us and um you know because the goal for discipleship is to let people's floors be your ceiling right and so that's saying that a good leader a good father a good Guider, a good guider, a good guidance, um, says, "Hey, I want you to do more than I did. I want to set you up to be more successful than I was." Amen. A good leader doesn't say, "Yeah, you can do that, but stay behind me." You know A good leader pushes you forward and pushes you into your destiny. And, uh, and that's the goal for discipleship. We talk about discipleship a lot. <clears throat> we talk about it, it. It can almost become a white noise kind of word, uh, because we do talk about it so much. But if we understand the heart of discipleship and, and what it's for, then it holds so much weight. And, and so I'm saying, from my generation to yours, we need you to disciple us. Mm-hmm. We need you to be a part of our life. Um, and we need you to raise us up. We need some foundation in our life. Yeah. And, uh, and I wrote this and I said, fathers let their children sit on their shoulders. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I've had some people who've let me sit on their shoulders Figuratively. And whenever they did that, I was able to see. And that brought me out of a lot. And, and so it's important that you do that. And that should be the goal for every Christian, young and old, is, um, is to raise people up, to speak life into them. To love them and then let them do everything that the Lord's called them to do. Um, Because whenever you mother and father us, whenever you um, take this position in our life, what you're doing is you're teaching us to be a mother and father for someone else. And, you know, I look at guys in my life, um, you know, specifically a buddy of mine, John Vadrine, who I've talked about many, many times and and Marvin, and uh, Pastor Marvin, whoops, father-in-law as well. So I don't call him Pastor Marvin on a daily basis. Um, and I look at guys like that who have just um, breathed life into me. And even when I failed, said, hey, I love you. And even when I messed up, said, hey, you're going to be all right. And they picked me up, brushed me off, and continued to carry me when I couldn't walk for my own. And um, And the cycle of that is now I'm getting a chance to do that for others. Right. I'm getting a chance to do that for other people. And it's this whole generational thing of you raised me up and now I'm raising others up. And that is how we successfully do that. That is the answer. Um, the foundation of this whole thing is is you, the older generation, the foundation of this thing. Um, Without you, families don't grow, you know? Um, You are so necessary in this life, in this thing. You're so necessary when it comes to passing the torch from generation to generation. Um, Yeah, I heard last time we were at Bethel, Danny Slope preached a message uh, just about spiritual fathers and mothers. Um, and at the end of his message, he said, you know, whenever you whenever you father or some or, or mother someone well, and they become a father or mother for someone else, then you just be get to kick back and become the grandparent, the spiritual grandparent, where you're like, yeah, here you go, like, it's great, like, and you don't have to deal with any of the mess, anything, <laughs> it's your kid's job, and you just get to take them, have fun, and then pass them off. (laughs) Like, it just (laughs) bring them back. And uh, obviously, he communicated it a hundred times better than that. Um, But I just thought that was a really interesting way that I've never heard it worded before. And uh, it kind of changed the way I thought about it. And because truly, and I've always believed this, um, whenever you take on the responsibility of leading someone. Whenever you take on the responsibility of um, fathering or mothering someone, and whenever that person gives you the permission to do that, because it is like, it is, you know, I've had people approach me and say, hey, I I want to mentor you. And sometimes it's like, I would love that. And sometimes it's like, no. You know, so it has to be something that is permissed. You know, it's a two-way street. You can't just run around picking up people saying, I'm your father, you know, that's not how it works. Um, But whenever I give you permission to lead me, whenever I give you permission to to be a spiritual father or mother for me, I'm giving you the permission to change my mind is what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I am positioning myself in a way that I'm gonna receive from you and I give you permission to change my mind about how I think about things. And that is a big responsibility. That's a big responsibility. And uh, it's important that we don't take that lightly, you know? And I'll kind of get into this later, but in in no way am I blaming or any way like that, but I think a lot of my generation has, has been abused by, the term spiritual father or mother. And I think a lot of us are dealing with a lot of hurt when it comes to that. And so understanding the weight of this position that you hold in our life um, is important. It's an important that we understand the severity of what's happening. That it's not a light thing. Whenever I give you the permission to change my mind, I'm giving you the position to really build me up or really tear me down. And so that's how the cycle works. That is, in a lack of better terms, that's, that's what it is. You, you as the older generation raising people up, raising me up so I can raise the next, and then they raise the next, and then they raise the next. And that becomes this really healthy operation. Yeah. It becomes this really healthy way we do things. Um, and I love, um, and I think we see this modeled really well in Paul and Timothy's relationship. Um, we, we, we see the position of fathering um, as Paul addresses Timothy. You know, in the, very, in, in the in, uh, what is it, First Timothy 1-2, um, Paul addresses Timothy as uh, my true son in faith, yeah. right? And so, and in, in, in Acts, we see Paul pick up Timothy and say, hey, I'm going out, and I want you to come with me. I want you to be a part of what I'm doing. Um, I imagine Timothy probably didn't have the money to eat in every city that they stopped in, and I'm sure he bought him lunch, and I think he invested his life and time into Timothy, yeah. and, 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 I, and, and he pretty much says, hey, I want you to come and, and basically be an apprentice with me, and you're gonna go where I go. You're gonna do what I do, and we're gonna do this thing together, and so we see this position of Paul taking on this father figure in, in Timothy's life. Um, secondly, we see the position of Paul exampling a lifestyle for Timothy. Um, in, in, in 2 Timothy three ten and 11, uh, Paul says, you know how, <clears throat> yeah, you however have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, uh, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me in Antioch. yeah. Uh, which persecutions I endured. um, And from all of them, the Lord rescued me. And so we see, you know, we we see Paul communicating to Timothy, hey, you've seen how I live. And more importantly, we've seen Paul model this life, this, this, this healthy thing. We've seen Paul example a lifestyle, pretty much saying, hey, I'm not, telling you to do anything that i 'm not going to do myself i'm not i 'm not leading you into a place that i haven 't gone you 've seen how i live you 've seen what i do you 've seen how I model this thing and that 's for you to do the same and so <clears throat> Paul really does a fantastic job of leading by example in timothy 's life and uh, and then the the beautiful part and kind of the fruit of this is 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 later we see the position of partnering together. We see them two partnering together to do the work of the Lord. Um, Paul raises him up to his level and beyond. And um, you know, in Romans 16, Paul addresses Timothy, not as his true son in faith anymore, but as his fellow worker. Um, yeah, my fellow worker. And so we see this position of my son, be with me. I'm taking you under my wing. I'm gonna model this life. And now when I've raised you up, my fellow worker, we're partners together in this thing. And um, this is a model. You know, obviously Paul and Timothy's relationship is, is, you know, you can go read all about it. But I think, I wish I could hear their conversations on a daily basis. I'm sure there's a lot of questions and then just a lot of answers and just a lot of what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? You know, I, I like the way that that Paul handled it. You know, he said, "You are my son. Look at how I live my life. And now that I've developed you, partnered with Holy Spirit, I'm sending you off to do the work. And now, I've raised you up." And I'm sending you off to do more, and bigger, and better things than I did, right? And uh, this is like the healthiest model of it. That that you know, this is the goal, you know, for for you, the older generation, to take us, and and say, hey, be with me. Come be a part of my life, while I invest in you. Look at how I live, watch how I do things, ask me questions, and then go and do it because you're ready. And uh, and so, and, and I think the other thing that I wanna talk about um, to you, um, not saying anyone in particular, but the older generation, um, all the while, while you're raising us up, all the while where, um, where you're investing in us and speaking life into us, um, we still have to have the room to fail. Yeah. You still have to give us permission to fail uh, because I, I, I need you to understand that we're learning um, and you have to give us the space to try things and, and experiment with the Lord and uh, because the, fa- the truth of it is the Lord is speaking to us a new way to do things, right? Because he's speaking to us for our generation who receives differently. And he's speaking, obviously, the heart of what's communicated does not change, right? This is, this is it. You know, if we're not teaching that, then <laughs> guide me, <laughs> you know? Um, <clears throat> but the Lord is communicating a new way um, that he's moving in us. And so we need that permission from you to fail. We need that permission from you, um, even when we disagree on things, to honor each other and say, I have to try this because the Lord is speaking to me and I just gotta do it. And then you say, okay, like, go for it, you know? And uh, there's been a lot of conversations that Pastor Marvin and I have had um, where we're, we're bringing something up and it's like, we just disagree. And it's like, you see it this way and I see it this way and obviously, I want to position myself to learn. At the same time, this is what I feel the Lord speaking to me, and so it becomes a really complicated situation. And so, obviously, it's a case-by-case thing where we have to figure out, you know, what the Lord is speaking. Um, but there's some times where I have to submit myself and say, "Hey, I'm I bl- I trust you." And so, even though I disagree with this, I'm going to follow you, and I'm going to I'm going to be a part of that, and I'm going to do that because you said so, and I don't. I don't want to position myself to have an ex to have to have an explanation for everything that I do. Um, I, I want to position myself um, as a son would to his father, and I want to I want to bring myself and say, "Hey, I understand. I've learned enough to know that I don't know that much, and I want to learn from you." And, and then <clears throat> there's also been situations where he has said, "Hey, I don't understand this, but if you have peace." I trust you because of what I've instilled in you. And so I am gonna lay down my disagreement and I'm gonna say, hey, go for this. And I believe in you and you've got my backing, you've got my support. And whether it's a, su- a success or a fail, it doesn't matter. And, and so there's both of these, these, these aspects of it. Um, and I think that, that we just have to talk about it. Well, I think we have to figure it out situ- situation by situation. Um, because sometimes it's going to be one, and sometimes it's going to be the other. Um, and there's also been conversations where, where Marvin has said, "Hey, you're wrong," and I've said, "Okay," you know. And obviously, I'll I'll ask why because I want to learn why I'm wrong, you know. And so it, it it's not just, "Hey, you're wrong," get back. It's, "Hey, you're wrong because of this." And and him, as the older generation, does a really good job um, of explaining that to me, right? Um, And then there's been, you know, and so there's these situations, and it's not not just you answer it and then we move on. Uh, It's a lot of case-by-case things where it's us conversing and talking about what's happening and then figuring out an outcome for there. But the most important part of what I'm saying is that we partner together to do it. Uh, we were in Texas um, driving around and this was before we even opened up any of those conversations. Um, and we talked about a lot that we can, just about church and stuff. And so I don't remember all of it, but essentially at one point he said, hey, I need you. As much as you need me, I need you. And and I looked back at him and I said, hey, I need you. You know, there isn't one that's more important than the other. There isn't, but it's a passing of the torch. It's him saying, hey, I value you and I need you. And it's me saying, hey, I value you and I need you. You know, it's not, it's not this thing of, it's our time to shine, get out. You know, it's this thing of saying, hey, the mic is being put in front of my face and I need some help preparing my message. You know, because we're coming into this time where, 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 where people like me are being passed the mic. And I wanna make sure that as, as, as comfortable as I am in my identity in the Lord, as comfortable as I am with, with what the Lord says to me and how clearly I hear the voice of God, I want guidance, because if I'm guiding myself, I'm blind. Yeah, right. And so I want your opinion. I want to hear what you have to say. I want you to correct me when I'm wrong. I want you to explain it to me. I want you to be a father. I want you to be a mother. You know, um, because like I said, the Lord is putting something new in our heart. And, and it's your job to water that thing. Because, you're, you're, like I said, we value your opinion. And as the older generation speaking into the younger generation and understanding that the Lord is communicating to us and He's doing new things in our heart and watering that and let it gr- letting it grow and saying, hey, I'm with you, is huge for us. Um, this was something really cool that I found and uh, let's see. Yeah, um, so this is the the story of uh, David and Goliath. I don't know if you've ever heard about it. Um, and so I'll just, read, I'll just read these last few verses. Uh, verse 31, uh, yeah, it says, when the words that David spoke were heard, they were repeated before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him, your servant will go and fight this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth. Uh, and he has been a man of war since his youth. Uh, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear uh, and took the lamb from the flock, I went after him, struck him, and delivered it out of his mouth. Uh, And if he arose against me, I called him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and the uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. (laughs) Wow. Uh, uh, For he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and let the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David in his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with the coat of mail. And David strapped a sword over his armor and he tried in vain to go for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these for I have not tested them. So David put them off. They took his staff in hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Saul put his armor on David. And he had to take it off. As the younger generation, I can't wear your armor, but I can carry your wisdom. Our generation cannot wear your armor because it's not ours. And the Lord is doing a new thing in our hearts and he's speaking these things to us that are revelation to us. And we can't expect what he's doing in us to look like what he did in you and what he's doing in you. There's different procedures that are taking place because, like I said, we receive differently. And I thought that thought was so special that, going into battle, I can't wear your armor because it's not mine, but I can carry your wisdom. (coughs) Um, And so next, I wanna talk about, um, I wanna address my generation, our generation. And uh, I feel like my generation's a little bit more open to saying that we're in our generation. I'm kidding. Um, So so I'm saying, (laughs) older generation, hey, we value you and we need you. And then I'm turning around saying my generation, hey, we value them and we need them. (laughs) Like, um, because I think some of my generation hasn't caught on to that yet. And I'm not being critical. I just think we're in a place um, that we're in this spot. And so we need to receive, from the generation before us and give to the next and we're in this contention of doing that. Um, And I'm excited about what the Lord's doing in us. I'm excited about, um, you know, the stage has been set for us to do things for the gospel and for for Jesus that uh, make me really excited. Um, And so I think, and I'm not saying this, you know, obviously this isn't true for every single person, but I think a majority of my generation has come into this mindset of I'll handle it and I don't need help. Uh, and we've kind of come into this self-help mindset uh, because, like I said, I feel like a, a good bit of us have been hurt by authority figures, and so we've come into this place where it's saying, "Hey, I'm hurt, and because you hurt me, I don't want anything to do with that. I'll just help myself. I'm going to read all these books, and I'm going to make myself a better person." And um, and that's dangerous, you know. And e- and even if that's not true for for you, that's the story that's being fed, right? Um, and, and, and for a lot of us, the word authority has been perverted into a gross concept. And so we almost run away from that, that word. Um, I know personally for me, that word was like a curse word for a long time. Where was like, I don't, ew, like no, like you're not my authority. Like that's not how we're playing this game. And uh, because I was hurt and, uh, but I think the Lord had to do a really, Um, he had to redefine authority for me. And and so, and how I've related this is to, um, you know, I can look at my marriage or I can look at, okay, I can look at the worship team, uh, for instance. So, oh yeah, I'm Peyton, uh, the worship pastor at the harbor. Didn't say that if you're new. Um, Glad that you're here. so I'm over our worship department, right? So that means I have authority over our worship department. Everything that, that happens in our team happens on stage, happens off of stage about worship goes over my desk and I get to decide what's happening on that. Um, and so my, my job is not to rule over the team uh, with dominance and by control. My team is not, my, my job is not to, to tell people what to do and to tell them how to do it. Uh, my job as their leader, as their authority figure, is to remind them of who they are. My job as the authority figure in the worship department uh, is to value their voice and remind them that I do value it. Uh, and, and the same goes for my marriage. You know, I can, I'm the head of the house and so my job is not to dominate and rule with control, but my job is to tell her that I value her and, 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 and allow her voice to hold some weight at our table. Right, and so me being in, in and so being the authority figure for me is, is, is it means that you stand by them. It means that you support them, you hear them, and you speak life into them, right? And so when authority was defined for me in this way, it changed the way I thought about it. And I said, hey, I really need that. Uh, and I really wanna be that for others. And And, and so, I wrote this, that leading well uh, is, is, is simply uh, partnering together with those that you're leading and inviting their voices to hold weight. Uh, and I think my generation needs this revelation um, that authority isn't saying uh, there's gonna be a, a dominating control aspect of it, but it's saying, hey, authority is someone to speak life into you, and an and authority is, uh, is, is, is saying that your voice is going to be valued. And an authority is supporting as much. My job as the worship pastor is support them to, to support them as much as they support me. Right? And, and it, so it's this thought of you got my back and I have yours. And I love you and I believe in you. That's what authority is. And uh, the narrative that I've heard from, from a lot of people um, in my generation is I wanna do things differently. And, and a lot, I've also heard this statement a lot is I wanna do things different than my parents. And I think that's great. And I think like there's nothing wrong with that. But I think if we don't approach that with a healthy mindset, we will repeat the negative of what was taught to us in our, t- in our attempt to do something differently. Um, if we don't like if we don't reconcile our heart with the hurt that we've experienced, we will automatically replicate it and uh in kind of everything that we that we heard about and don't like will do the same thing to the next and so it's really important that that my generation that we position ourselves and we reconcile our hearts and we deal with with our hurt and, and our pain, and uh, because when we do that, there can be a redefinition of authority. There can be a redefinition of that, and it becomes a really healthy thing. Um, and, and and like I said, we're trying to figure it out because we're in this place of contention where we're trying to receive and also give, and uh, and we're enjoying it, you know. But we're figuring it out, and. Uh, so Heather, you can come play. We're gonna, you know, this was kind of, this is a very practical message. Um, and uh, and we're, we're gonna wrap up here. Um, but I think it's really important for us to remember every single person that's in here that we're in this together, that we're doing this thing together and we don't have all the answers, but we're figuring it out. Right. And I need your voice and, and you need mine and I need your ears and you need mine. And, and and so I, I, and it's important that we model this well, because how you model it for me is how I'm going to model it for the next. And 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 we have to we have to understand that this this is vital, that this is necessary, that this is important, because we do not want a generation to not know what the Lord has done for us, and uh, we do not want them to not understand the goodness of God. And so to do that. I need you to speak into my life so that I can speak into others. And I need you to model authority and leadership in a way that I've never seen before. The topic is is bigger than us individually. The topic is way bigger than any one of us in this room. Um, this topic is is generational, you know, and it's huge. And And I don't think that everything that I said today is the answers, I don't think that, I think there's many ways that we can improve that. And so what I'm saying and how I wanna end this message is let's continue this conversation on how to partner better together. Let's continue this conversation on how we can work better as one people and as one group and let us keep improving because what we're doing right now, the topic that we're talking about right now and us figuring figuring it out together makes the Lord really happy. And so it's important that we continue this. It's important that we continue this conversation. And it's important that we understand the weight of what we're doing because we're literally setting the stage. You have set the stage for me and now I need to learn how to set the stage for the next. And that is huge. And so I the the way I want to end today is I want to pray and I want to ask the Lord to give us new ideas and better ways in revelation and and I want us to give him new perspective on how to model this as a people Uh, because we should be the best in the world at this we should be the best in the world at discipling people and raising them up to to walk into their God-given destiny and 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 We've got to work together as the church, as just people, yeah. And so let me pray for us and, and then we're gonna, um, and then we're gonna release, but I want us to just begin to think um, in this way. I want us to begin to think in this manner of, um, of passing the torch from generation to generation. Uh, And so, Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for um, just your love for us. We thank you for uh, the opportunity to partner with you on things that are way bigger than us. And so I pray that we would have a revelation. I pray that we would have a better understanding, and I pray that you would give us a new perspective on how to successfully raise up the people who are behind us. And I I pray that you would give us revelation on how to love each other better and how to value each other better and how to honor each other better. And I pray that we would truly work as one people to see your kingdom come and your will be done. God, give us divine strategies and ways, God, that we can, and, and, and give us, give us the grace Give us the grace to understand this better. God, our hearts are yours, our minds are yours, and we submit our ways to yours. And so I pray over this generation who is, who is before me, God, and I pray continue to give them wisdom, continue to speak into their heart, and continue to give them ways to lead me better. And I pray for my generation, God, and I pray that we would begin to, to turn our heart into this position of, of, of reception. I pray that we would continue to open our heart um, into this thought of, of, of guidance and I pray that you would continue to speak to us what you're speaking I I pray that you would continue to give us new ways uh, to do this thing I pray that you would continue to give us the dreams for our people and our generation and our time God I pray that we would say the time is now to do something and and I pray that you would give us this revelation of what you want to do God and give us divine strategies to do it because because all we want is what you are all we want is what you want for us I pray for healthy families, God. Literally and spiritually. (laughs) We love you, God. Our hearts are yours. Our minds are yours, God. And and we just say today that we are gonna continue this conversation and continue to open it, and we love you. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. I love you guys. Um, Yeah, let's talk about this more, all right? You guys have a fantastic Sunday. See you.